0: hello and welcome to another episode of the transformations with jane podcast i'm your host jane nakata a coach for women all over the world and the creator of the jumpstart course and the woman in japan and the world mastermind So I hope you're all doing well as we get towards the end of the first month of 2020. Hasn't it just flown by? It's been quite amazing, actually, how fast it's gone. So as I record this right now, my um, furniture just arrived from Japan, and that was yesterday. And I'd say we've got about over half of it sort of unpacked and generally in this new place where it's going to be from now on so that's quite exciting a few more days <laughs> I hope and it'll be all put away and sorted so really looking forward to that and yeah it feels a little bit more like home now we have our own beds and we have enough knives and forks and pots and pans and all that stuff that we've been um existing with just the bare minimum for the last two months and now and I've also noticed actually I have a lot of stuff I cannot remember why I decided I needed to bring it so I've created two boxes in my oh well so far two boxes of stuff that is the why on earth did I bring this (laughs) box and it's the, the stuff is not useless it's just not useful here if you know what I mean so some of the things are like this massive collection of bento boxes, which we used when we were in Japan. Um, you know, everybody had to take bento, you know, to school and kindergarten and various things and um, outings and, you know, family picnics and school events where the whole family goes and all of that stuff. And so I just bought it with us thinking it would be useful, but here it doesn't seem to be useful at all. <laughs> so I may just put though, all of that stuff in the box for, Um, useful when we get back to Japan in the future other things are just yeah like why do I need like 10 hand towels you know how people give you in Japan especially people give you these beautiful little square hand towels that you are supposed to carry around with you and you um, use them you know to mop up extra sweat in the summer if you need to or um you know when after you've washed your hands generally in japan there's no um there's often no dryers or paper towels so you use your own handkerchief hand towel thing that you've bought with you people love to give you these as like a present especially if you're going away or something because they're small and and some of them are really beautiful and i have a lovely collection of them but we just don't need them here because every bathroom you visit has paper towels or hand towels or you know it just it seems like you never need to use them, and I don't know how hot it gets in summer. But anyway, um, all these things that sort of I didn't think, you know, when I was in Japan, I didn't realize I wouldn't need them. Another thing that we found is clothing. Like we thought, you know, oh, we're going to um, you know live in a Nordic country; it's going to be so cold, and we're going to need all these sweaters, and we're going to need all these big warm clothes and things. But the thing is, yes, you do need warm clothes, like your outer layer. Um, as in like warm boots and a big warm long jacket and hats and scarves and all of that. But underneath, you can be wearing a T-shirt, you know, because wherever it is that you're going to is going to be plenty warm enough. And so I like I often walk past um, a university to take my kids to school and you look in the window and you see all the students in there just wearing T-shirts, even though it's like minus one outside and it feels like minus five. But inside is, you know, it's so comfortable and warm. And so we've got all these warm, thick pyjamas that you would need in Japan because, you know, houses can be freezing cold in Japan, Uh, but not here. Like everything is just so warm and like I've been sleeping in a T-shirt and a pair of summer, like in my summer pyjamas almost, you know. So we have all these things that we're not using, which I yeah, I'm going to have to put in the box for when we get back to Japan as well. So, yeah, it's been very interesting opening up all our stuff and realizing that, you know, some of it is not actually useful here. Anyway, uh, moving on. So, today we have um, a lovely interview with Jody Harris. Now, she is the woman behind World Tree Coaching. And I first sort of started following. Jodi about or at least maybe over a year ago maybe nearly two years ago um, I noticed her pop up on Instagram and at the time she was also living in Japan and I really like what she had to say about you know mindfulness and um, and how she helps expats who are transitioning from you know one country to another or maybe it's their first transition Um, she helps people to Thrive and overcome the challenges in their lives. So, um, she's an amazingly talented and very well qualified coach. She's done so many things and she's lived in some amazing countries as well, like all over the world. And so, in this episode, you get to hear a little bit of what it's like to live in Madagascar because I had to ask that. That's one of the places she's lived. Um, So, she's originally from the United States and she has lived in Spain, Japan, twice Northern Ireland, the Dominican Republic, Madagascar, and she's now in Belgium, which is actually fairly close to um, (laughs) where I am in Gothenburg, Sweden. So I had a really lovely time speaking to Jody today. I hope you will enjoy the episode. Hi, Jodi. Welcome to the Transformations with Jane podcast. It's great to have you here today.
1: Hi, Jane. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be here.
0: Yeah. And thank you so much. We've had a little bit of trouble getting Jodi on the show. We've had to reschedule thanks to major drilling noises happening in my apartment and making it (laughs) like impossible to record so thank you so much for um making time twice for for this recording to happen absolutely yeah Yeah, it's been been a long time coming so for those listeners who do not know you please um introduce yourself a little bit
1: yeah. Um my name is Jody Harris. Um, I am originally from uh Texas in the United States from a small town right outside of Austin. And I live in Belgium now with my husband and our three children and I have we have lived overseas for the for the most of the last 11 years. So um prior to Belgium we were living in Japan, which is where I first um, mm, yeah. got to kind of know Jane who we became in each other's spheres, I guess, yeah. is a good way to say that. <laughs> yeah. um, and then prior to that, I was in Madagascar and then we were in the Dominican Republic and I've also lived in Spain and Northern Ireland. And wow. I am yeah. a coach and mindfulness teacher and I support individuals living cross-culturally with programs in um, mindfulness and cross-cultural adaptation.
0: Wow. Yeah. So um, I think people will kick me if I don't ask you, what was it like living in Madagascar? You have to
1: tell us. <laughs> it's the funniest thing because if you live in Madagascar and you ever say you've lived in Madagascar, everyone asks, yeah. whoa, what was it like to live in Madagascar? Um, so in many ways, it was probably what people think it was. It's very uh, remote and incredible incredibly unique. There is nowhere else like it on earth for both um, reasons that, you know, we could say like kind of positive reasons in that the people are amazing. It is beautiful, the biodiversity. I mean, it's just incredibly unique. And for reasons that are challenging, it's an exceedingly poor country. I think during the time that we were there from 2012 to 2014, it was considered the third poorest country on earth.
0: Oh my goodness! Um, really? Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
1: So, um, people live in levels of extreme poverty, and particularly outside the capital, Antananarivo. They're really—it's you know—it's a—it's a country. It's an island. It's a country the size of Texas. So it's quite big, about the size of size of like Spain and Portugal together. And um, you know, outside of the capital, it's very difficult to access services, anything from gas to education to healthcare. So it's not a place without its challenges, but it was a wonderful place for us to be when our children were the ages they were. So when we moved, they were um, six, four, and then my daughter was two months old.
0: Oh my goodness. <laughs>
1: wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. It was interesting. And, and that must it have a been a for us.
0: Yeah, like a huge, well, you said it was a, a happy time where there's some, there must have been some like serious patients, challenging situations with all the things like services and, you know, like getting your gas hooked up and
1: yeah, yeah, and an internet yeah.
0: connection. And... <laughs> right,
1: yes. Internet was definitely a challenge at the time. They had, um, you know, in the year before we went, they were laying a like a fiber optic Optic cable from mainland Africa out to Madagascar, like under the sea or whatever. But um, so internet was practically non-existent before. It wasn't non-existent before we got there, but very very slow. And and still, when we were there, there are funny things like if we wanted to watch a show on Saturday night, we could start uploading the stream on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> By Saturday, we hopefully watch the show.
0: Oh my God! Um, so
1: there were challenges like that, but um,
0: wow.
1: you know we're we were fortunate, of course, that, you know, we don't, um, we didn't have to deal with a lot of the, you know, shrug, anywhere you live, right, there are challenges, and you just kind of figure them out, and, and some of the ones are not as hard as you think they're going to be, and other ones are much more, much, much more difficult, so, you yeah, know, it's just kind of finding our way, mm. building our community, and getting connected.
0: Yeah, so, um, you know, like, the transitioning period for um, expats which you know a lot of us go through I've just been through it um, you've yeah. just been through it again not recently uh, not yeah. so long ago um, mm-hmm. and sort of yeah like comparing one country to another it never goes well really when you mm-hmm. try and do that does it? No. you just have to um, accept where you are and how things work there and make mm-hmm. that somehow work for you because uh, yeah even being in a country like Sweden um, it's been extremely challenging for us coming from Japan where things happen, you know, and they happen like clockwork. Whereas here they happen when people are not on the way <laughs> or when, you know, when people get around to it or um, unless you sort of chase them, things don't happen. And um, yeah, it's been really, really interesting. Some people um, who've come over at the same time of us have gone through the system of, you know, registering yourself and all of that so smoothly, just like, you know, like, um, I don't know, greased lightning, and then we'd come along behind, and it's just been like one thing after another, and like, you know, this is missing, and no, you haven't filled that out properly, and yes, we have, but okay, um, we'll do it again, (laughs) Um, all these sorts of things pop up, and um, it's, yeah, it's just like, what next? (laughs)
1: Right, right, absolutely, yeah, it's, it's so true, and every place, I mean, you're right that you really can't Expect, I mean, it seems so obvious, right? You can't expect each country you move to to be the same. And yet, it's so important to acknowledge how very jarring it is <laughs> to move from one culture to another. Even if, for example, like the difference between Japan and Sweden, or in my case, Japan and Belgium, being not I mean, these are both you know, highly developed countries with incredible infrastructure, right? Yeah. And yet still, they're different places and things are done differently. And it, you, know, you have to kind of keep your eyes open. Um, and, and I think of it in terms of you know, taking a, um, you know, a beginner's mind to each place, um, because once you start to think, oh, I know exactly the way it's gonna be, or I assume it's gonna be this way, uh, you know, you're really setting yourself up for a lot of frustration.
0: Yeah, I found um, what really helped. And this is something I've learned, you know, in just the last year or two is to just trust that things are going to go well, that maybe not how you imagine it, it's going to be and to, um, you know, send out positive vibes in front of you, wherever it is that you're going, that Mm -hmm. you are going to be in the right place at the right time. And it served me pretty well, actually, Even with, you know, transitioning to Sweden and visits to the tax office and the migration office and back to the tax office and all of this stuff. Mm. Um, And my husband has, we'd gone through the same thing, but, you know, a month earlier, and he just had, um, you know, one disaster after another, whereas mine was a much more pleasant sort of Thing. Like we'd get to the tax office and there'd be nobody in the queue or, you know, whereas he'd get, he'd be like, where are all the people? Every time I come here, it's like a mile out the door, you know, um, this sort of thing. And so that's been really interesting to experiment with that as we've mm-hmm. gone through this transition has mm-hmm. really helped. I mean, there were sometimes I could see myself getting worked up about things and frustrated when people hadn't done, obviously hadn't done their job properly and <laughs> created more work for me and things like that. But um, in saying that, I never struck a nasty person. Like I always just struck really friendly, kind people and, and things through the whole process. So there's something to be said for it. That's for certain, for just, yeah, trusting and knowing that you're in, going to be in the right place at the right time. Right. Somehow.
1: <laughs> for sure. Definitely.
0: Yeah. So, um, so you've come to Belgium recently.
1: Uh-huh. We arrived and- in August
0: in August, and how do you feel now? Like this is your, how, are you, how many moves are you? It's like,
1: oh, how many moves, oh my yeah. gosh. Uh, I yeah, I mean, I'm
0: like, <laughs> I'm hitting like in the 20s here. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, exactly, yeah, actually,
1: my husband and I just had our 20th wedding anniversary, and I actually, we calculated um, how many times we've moved, because our first move, like we were not married when we moved to Japan the first time, that was in 1999. Um, and then we got married while we were there. So our first move together as a couple was internationally. Um, so yeah, we've had many, many moves and, you know, people ask sometimes, you know, what's your favorite country or what move was the easiest? And I don't know if you've had this experience, Jane, but, you know, I've told a lot of people, you know, Belgium is a super easy place to live, but I feel like this move has been a more challenging transition than other places for, for like a number of just random reasons. Right. Um, You know, like the things like the tax office, you know, just things where you're like, Oh my gosh, is this really still happening? You know? Um, And yet if I'm honest with myself and I think about all the moves, those first few months anywhere are really challenging. (laughs) Even when you're, even when you're happy, even when you are meeting people, even when your kids are well engaged in school and you're, you are happy with your job, or your partner's happy with their job, Um, but at the same time, it's always this process of kind of, you know, finding your footing, and and feeling um, that there are days that are more challenging, and that there are days that are a little less overwhelming.
0: Yeah, so how long do you usually find it takes till you're like, ah, I'm okay now, or I'm here, or I'm I'm settled mm. officially, you yeah, know, like, is there a, a magic number?
1: Oh, gosh, you know, I often find that's such a, it, that's such an interesting question. And I think that usually you, in my experience, that for the first six months, there's kind of these, like, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. And then at around six months, um, there's a, like, oh my gosh, like, okay, (laughs) everything's really getting to me. In my case, oddly, six months, I think it's because of the cycle of when we move. but six months usually falls in like January or February. And I'm like, oh, it's It's dark and cold, except in Madagascar, it was (laughs) was summer, but still, you know, like it was kind of a, you know, so there's kind of that six month hump. And then I find that once you, at least in my experience, once I'm kind of over the six month hump, then I'm like, okay, I'm home. And then- I might have a day here or there where I randomly miss something from home. I I as I mentioned before, I'm from Austin, Texas, and I I love Austin. It's an awesome city and it's easy to miss specific things, whether it's friends or food or just doing certain things there, um, even with this many years gone. And so I'll have like a day or something where I'm like, oh, I really miss this from home. But in general, after the six months, I feel like oh, I live here. This is my home and, and I'm pretty, and I'm pretty settled.
0: There you go, everyone. Six months.
1: <laughs> Don't quote me. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, it's interesting because I, um, you know, I feel like i really hit the ground running here in Sweden this time. Um, I did a lot of research before we got here. I love to research and things. And people have been saying to me, how do you already know? Like, where to go and like, which tram to get on. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it's not that hard, surely. So anyway, I'm, I am I really do feel like I've hit the ground running here. So I'm sort of thinking, sometimes I'm like, hang on, you've only been here two months, just right. chill out, right? You, you can, you know, you should, you know, need to expect so much from a place and the people here after only two months. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Give yourself mm-hmm. some
0: time. And someone said to me the other day, um, yeah, you haven't even got your furniture yet, you <laughs> know, <Like, laughs> chill out, you know, you'll be okay, you know, it's a good, yeah, good, and that person said the same thing, it's a good six months before you really feel like you're sort of, you're really here, you're really, yeah. like, even if they, you have a start to have that feeling of belonging, but it right. was interesting, Um, in the, in the Christmas holidays just been we took three days away from the city where we live in Gothenburg, and we flew over to Berlin, uh, in mm-hmm. Germany where mm-hmm. it's than an hour away by plane mm-hmm. and we had three days there and it was sort of a lot of reminiscing of our times when we lived there it was over 10 years ago now
1: um, mm-hmm. without
0: before we had kids and um, it was our first overseas posting together and mm-hmm. um, and I was like oh I remember how to speak German and this is really fun and and then but then we came back and we got off the plane and we walked through the airport in Gothenburg and everybody said oh we're home And I'm like, wow, this is only like the second time we've ever come to this airport, the first time being a month and a half ago when we arrived. (laughs) And already people are feeling like, now we're home. Like we honestly felt like, it's good to be back. We'd been away for three days. (laughs) Right.
1: It's crazy. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because as I mentioned before, we lived in Japan for the first time. um, Well, I mean, now it's been well, it's like almost exactly 20 years ago. We were, li- we were living there 20 years ago. And, you know, and then we left for a very long time. And then we came back. And I definitely had that feeling with Japan when we came back, even for all of the many, many ways in which Japan is nothing like the United States. When I went back the second time, I felt like I was going somewhere that I knew. Mm-hmm. And it's the only time I've moved to a place that I've lived before. And even the ways in which i feel like oh i can never quite fit into this culture that i'm different in all of these ways um it felt familiar and it even now you know so i've spent a total of like 5 years of my adult life that's like 20% of my adult life you know in japan and it's a place that feels very i get the way that it works mm-hmm. and i know what i should do and i know what i shouldn't do and i don't I no longer feel like, you know, generally speaking, like frustrated about the things that are unusual for me because they, they're not exactly unusual anymore. You know, even if I don't adopt a particular cultural way of being, I'm like, oh yeah, this is the way, this is the way that you do it. And, you know, and it's okay. And um, ironically here in Brussels, we live in the neighborhood with all of the Japanese expats. And um, at the bus stop where I Take my kids for school is the same bus stop for the um, Japanese international school, and there's something about going to the bus stop in the morning. And when we the very first day of school, we were at the bus stop, and I was like, "Oh, how was Imas? Oh, how was I? And I was like, "This is so crazy! Like, this is so familiar, but it felt so comforting. I felt this real sense of like, oh, and." All the Japanese people live in our neighborhood, <laughs> and it felt like home because when I go out, there's all of the moms with their toddlers and their strollers, and it's it's almost like I haven't left.
0: Wrong. And,
1: and mm. that's really nice.
0: It's so funny that you moved all the way to Brussels to find yourself in a Japanese neighborhood. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Yeah, I think um, especially Sweden is a lovely mixture of what is very similar to Japanese culture, Mm. as well as um, something that's quite similar to sort of German culture as well. So for us, it feels very easy to be here. Um, It just seems like we know how things go here. Mm -hmm. And um, one of my new Swedish friends said to me, um, well she 's actually lived in America for twenty years, and she said to me oh, you didn 't go and introduce yourself to your neighbors, did you and and I was like, um, no, no, don't worry. We waited till we had to bump into them on the stairs. And then we just talked to them and, and that was fine. And she's like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> she was really worried for us that we'd like been all like gone around and, and bothered everybody in the building introducing ourselves. Anyway, um, <laughs> we avoided that, that cultural question. That's we awesome. have new neighbors next door. I have not seen it or heard anything from them yet. We all bump into each other accidentally. And have to introduce ourselves, and that'll be enough. Yeah, yep. <laughs> that's how they do it here. About yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. So um, tell us about mindfulness and how you use that to help um, people who are going through transitions and things and um, with their lives.
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, for people who don't know, the kind of basic concept or basic definition of mindfulness is um, non-judgmental in the moment awareness. It's paying attention to what's happening as it's happening. Um, So commonly people kind of think of mindfulness meditation, um, which is sometimes referred to as insight meditation or Vipassana meditation, which is, um, you know, at its most basic level, it's um, sitting in meditation and um, paying attention to it was like a, a a target, I don't know, lack of a better word, but for example, the breath is the most common one. so noticing the way that your breath goes in and out, and using that to center you in the moment so that you can observe um, your thoughts and emotions and and physical sensations and and anything else that comes up. Um, so you know that's mindfulness meditation. The work that I do primarily focuses on um, what we might think of as um, like everyday or informal mindfulness practices, which is teaching people the um, a way in which to make those observations, like to see thoughts, emotions, physical sensations, things that come up um, in their everyday life so that they can um, recognize that whatever it is that's coming up um, and can get some you know, kind of see it clearly and acknowledge it so that they have um, the ability to make decisions that are in line with their values and and their vision of who they want to be in the world. So sometimes my clients are practicing meditation as part of deepening that practice of mindfulness, yet I don't in my practice um, as of yet Um, although I'm doing some training to add this, I I don't in my practice as of yet focus highly on the practice of meditation itself. We use that as a tool. Um, I'm primarily helping my clients look at how they can apply mindfulness in situations that come up in their around the world living, (laughs) whether it's adjusting Mm -hmm. to culture or communicating across um, intercultural boundaries or, or really, just dealing with the the stress of being outside of a place that's familiar. Mm.
0: Yeah, because quite often, like when you're feeling that stress, you can't go and meditate. Like you have to something right then, right? Yeah, <laughs> is,
1: right. Yeah, when right. you're in the right. tax
0: office, you cannot just start meditating, but you can be yeah. mindful. You can do mindfulness. Um, exactly. In that moment, can't you? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's. Yeah it's it's yeah i've found it very very useful to yeah notice things and be aware and yeah be more mindful of how i'm acting and why i'm letting myself be triggered by things um yeah so um yeah
1: yeah yeah i tend to um look at what i call within the particular framework that i work in i work within a framework um, primarily um within a framework called personal leadership and it's a Uh, mindfulness-based cross-cultural communication and leadership framework and within that context um, I talk to my clients about um, looking at mindfulness from a place of what I call the three R's so the first level kind of of mindfulness is our ability to recognize that something's up so if you're in the long line at the tax office you know just the first level is noticing like I'm I'm getting agitated or whatever. Yeah. Um. And then the second R is reflect. So that's practicing being in that space so that you can, uh, you can see what's happening, naming the emotions, naming the thoughts, um, paying attention to the physical sensations that are happening in your body. And then the third R is right action. And this is what I think is a really important um, component for globally mobile people is that so if you observe these things and, and you don't do anything in your life to shift your behaviors or to shift the way in which you engage, then you just kind of stay stuck where you are. But that right action is, okay, I, ha- I have a choice here. I can get angry at the person that I'm having trouble communicating with and I can blame them or I can choose to take a deep breath and, and try again, for example.
0: Yeah. Um, have you seen Frozen 2?
1: No, I haven't yet.
0: Oh, okay, well, I won't, won't ruin it for you, but there is something in there in Frozen Two that is very much about what you just said, and oh, I've been cool. using it. Um, it's called "What's the Next Right Step?" Basically, ah. um, because they don't like there's a big drama happening, and they don't know what to do when your whole world is falling down around you. Mm -hmm. um what's the next right step and that's well that's all you can do isn't it right you can just take the next right step so yeah i love that yeah oh
1: cool oh i'll have to check it out i haven't seen the movie yet so
0: yeah um i mean i have an eight-year-old so i had to go
1: yeah i did too but we (laughs) But it's mostly in French here, so I need to find it in English. So that's
0: okay. Yeah, here in Sweden, they have a lot of um, subtitled movies, which is the nice most change from Japan, yeah, <laughs> where nice. you, it's difficult to find them. So yeah, um, we've already seen that movie um, as soon as it came out here, and um, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot actually for the sort of deeper messages that my kids obviously didn't get. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and and things, and we talked a little bit about that. Together with the kids, that like, you know, when you don't know what to do, why don't you just choose what's the next right thing to do? And then mm. you'll, you'll know what's the next right thing to do after mm.
1: that. Yeah, and that's lovely. That was,
0: yeah, really nice. Yeah, um, and some really catchy songs in there that will drive you nuts as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> are currently
0: driving me nuts while the kids are <laughs> playing them. But anyway, that's got to be expected from um, a Disney a disney movie comes out yeah i mean we
1: just phased out do you want to build a snowman right (laughs) from the last movie
0: and i have to say olaf is very good in this one he's very funny he's one of my Mm -hmm. favorite things okay enough reviews of frozen (laughs) two (laughs) yeah so um so tell us a little bit about what kind of things um that you have for people who would like some support or just sort of don't really know. I mean, um, yeah, let's hear a little bit about the group that you have um, in Facebook oh, that I'm sure. also a member of. Yeah, please tell us yeah, a little bit about sure. that.
1: Yeah, so um, as part of my, my company is called World Tree Coaching, and um, I, I do lots of things with that, but one of the things I have through the company is a, um, as a closed Facebook group, Globally Mindful. Um, which Jay mentioned, yes, she is an active member of, which is really nice. I always appreciate her thoughtful and reflective comments. Um, And, you know, one of the big things that, or one one of the things that's really important to me from the practice of mindfulness is the concept of Sangha, which is group, that when we practice, um, we don't practice all alone. It's not about just doing your own thing, but about building a community around these practices. And so I started Globally Mindful to um, deepen that community and give people an opportunity to, to share their intentions and their successes and challenges and articles and resources. Um, for a couple of years, I had run or I'd been the admin for kind of large um, global mindfulness and meditation group on Facebook that um, was for members of the U.S. Foreign Service, the diplomatic community. Um, I transitioned out of that. I mean, the group still exists. I don't, but I don't run it anymore Um, and started this one um, to have a little bit more freedom about how to do that. So yeah, that's Mm. Facebook group. People can find it on Facebook. Tell us the name of it again. Globally Mindful.
0: That's right. Globally Mindful. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I'm, I have not many groups that I am actually active on Facebook. You know, I'm not active in many groups, and but globally mindful was one Mm. that had just popped up just at the right time for me. And I was like, I need this now, and I need Mm. to be with other people who are going through the same thing as I am. Because Mm. um, six months ago, nobody around me was transitioning to a new country Mm -hmm. um, in my neighborhood, in my anywhere, you know, it was just me and my husband, and I felt alone. Yeah, I just felt like nobody understood. Um, everyone was going, oh, that's wonderful! It's great! It's great! It's great! I'm like, it is great. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. What's the, what are these other feelings that I'm having, though? You know, and um, so the globally mindful group was a really nice place just to go and and to be with other people doing that as well, and, and seeing, oh wow, like if you move to Abu Dhabi, that's what it's like, or whatever you know, like um, just yeah, even though same but different, right? Uh, it was yeah. really helpful. Um, so if you are sort of you know maybe you're going through your first overseas one and or maybe you're going through your 10th who knows you can find a lot of camaraderie in there that's for sure
1: Mm, yeah yeah. i'm glad you enjoy it and i'm like i said i'm very happy to have you as part of the group
0: thank you yeah i it's one of my joys is to look forward to (laughs) see what people post this week about it and um yeah it's not it's not a group that i thought i belonged to because um uh, at first, because I was like, I'm, um, I didn't consider myself an expat in Japan. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Cause yeah. I
0: felt like I was, I was married to a local person, so I wasn't necessarily part of the expat community as such. Um, mm. but now we definitely are. And, yeah. um, yeah, it really, yeah. really helps having that, um, that crew of people,
1: mm.
0: even mm. if they are just online. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, um, one of the questions I'd like to ask people who come on this podcast is if you could go back and talk to yourself, you know, five years, 10 years, 20 years ago, what advice would you give a younger version of you?
1: Hmm. Not
0: to say that you've done anything wrong, but, um, or, you know, you'd make different choices or so my last guest did, don't drink so much, but I drink so much tequila. Um, <laughs> that's always going to be good. Yeah, probably we, all, yeah well, probably we all have a
1: little bit of that one. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. So, um, but you know, is there something, yeah, that you, mm. any advice you would give a younger version
1: of yourself? Mm. Yeah. You know, uh, I think that it's so funny because I, I have advice for my younger self. And then I also really am one of those people that believes we have the path that we have with the challenges we have, so that, you know, we, we, and we end up where we're supposed to be in a lot of ways. And yet, it would be nice to, you know, speak to my, particularly my mid 20 something self, (laughs) quietly (laughs) at night. um, And, and just you know, remind myself that it's all, that it's all going to work out. You know, I always wanted, um, I always wanted to live and work overseas. Like when I say always, I literally mean always from my earliest memories. Some family friends of ours had an exchange student from uh, Luxembourg when I was like about four years old. And my uncle had an exchange student from Columbia around the same time. And I just thought these women were amazing. I was super fascinated by the idea of living overseas and in traveling and other cultures, um, and and yeah, I definitely think that, um, you know, and and my hu- you know I met my husband in my early twenties and he wanted to do the same thing, but I think that there was definitely a time where we were like, is this all really going to work out the way we we want it to? You know, that we will be able to live and work overseas and raise our children. You know having a broader perspective on the world than, than we had growing up. Um, and I think sometimes that really, it stressed me out to think about like that, that existed and that I couldn't quite, you know, find a way to make it happen. And, um, you know, I think that I could tell myself like, you know, don't worry, it'll, you'll end up where you're going to end up, you know, wherever that would have been in this case, of course, where we wanted it to be, but that would be a nice reminder and to not take things. So I, I spent, I think a lot of my twenties feeling very like uh, overworked and stressed,
0: <laughs> chasing,
1: mm-hmm. I'm not sure what, but I don't know, it's kind of, I don't know if this is a br- too broad of a generalization, at least in my case, and I feel this is true with a lot of my friends, it's like, that's like your twenties and then your thirties is like, you know, Trying to keep your head above water if you're having children. And then, at least in my case and the conversations that I've had with a lot of my friends now in my 40s, I'm like, okay, all right. Now, now we're is- ready for this. Yeah, now- <laughs>
0: exactly. I on. think I survived.
1: <laughs> I think I survived. And 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 now let's drink less wine and and kind of get down to business. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I feel you there. Yeah. Mm, yeah, definitely. The, and you know, um, And we can also like your advice to your younger self also works for our current selves, doesn't it? Like Mm -hmm. everything's going to work out, right? (laughs) It's going to be fine, better than you could probably imagine. Yeah, um, Yeah. generally. Yeah,
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. definitely.
0: And it's interesting how when you're trying to make it work, it wasn't working and then somehow it worked out.
1: Yeah. 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 I think a lot of times, I mean, and this goes back to the mindfulness, a lot of times, We're so much in that place of um, kind of grasping and striving for something that we think we want that we fail to see the open windows for the things that are really the best for us in in a particular moment in our lives. Um, Definitely.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm. Mm -hmm. What what do we know about what we actually need?
1: (laughs) You know, like (laughs) often
0: like I wanted this and then I got this and that was actually way better. Yeah. Yeah. What did I know about what was good for me or what? you know, what was the best for me? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm This is a shining example of this is when I, you know, my younger self wanted to be a foreign diplomat. And Mm. so um, as a New Zealand girl, I knew I had to go to a certain university and graduate with a law degree. And when I got there to start my law degree, realized I hated law, Ah. you know, like this was just not me. And then I didn't even really know that being a diplomat involved a lot of being sort of, you know, involved in conflict and, yeah. you know, like, like resolution of conflict. And I don't actually like conflict, you know, it's mm-hmm. not something I naturally, um, you know, conflict resolution is not my strong point, perhaps, you mm-hmm. know, like it's mm-hmm. one of my, my least liked things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so completely unsuited to what I had always dreamed of. Right. However, um, the, yeah, the universe had another path for me, which actually in the end has led me to what I really was probably aiming for, which was this uh, cultural understanding and um, helping people to understand each other through, you know, sharing cultures and things. So here I am podcasting, you know, um, it's just one thing. Um, But definitely a lot of the work that I did in Japan was um, bringing, you know, New Zealand and Japan closer together, bringing um, other, you know, local nationalities closer together with the Japanese people, where we were living, and I was like, "This is what I was supposed to be doing, not like you know, stopping two um, countries from shooting rockets at each right. other." You know, right. like <laughs> you know, it's no so more ground crazy. ground roots level. Yeah,
1: <laughs> this is so funny because um, I, a complete flip side of that is when my husband and I were both in graduate school. I have a master's in social work, and I focused on um, conflict studies. And my husband has a master's in journalism and had the and and had the same concentration, and. Um, we both did some of our graduate work in Northern Ireland and 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 he had never, ever, ever, ever thought of the idea of being a diplomat. And I knew what diplomats were, but it had never crossed my mind. And I I finished it, I finished graduate school a year before him. And I was at work one day and I was kind of thinking, like, you know. I'm always thinking about oh what's next you know, mm-hmm. and I came across information about the uh, the U.S. diplomatic corps, the foreign service, and I sent it to him, and I was like, this looks perfect for you. Have you ever thought of this? Like look at and we and and it's the complete opposite. Like having not ever considered something like that, and then looking yeah. at yeah, here's and it what I love and, and how yeah. To, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Funny. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I was wondering, where did my, you know, 18, 16, 18-year-old 18 self get this notion that I should be a foreign diplomat from? Like, I'm not right. sure where I picked that up, but um, luckily it didn't take me too long to figure out that that was not my best yeah. course of action. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, here we are. And <laughs> yeah, interesting. Oh, that's such a funny story. Yeah. Wow. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, I never never imagined that. Yeah, like I always just thought people would always wanted to be one of the matter, <laughs> like me.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, very good. So now you're in um, in Brussels. What is going to happen? Well, no, not what is going to happen. What would you like to achieve while you're in this posting in this country? Is there something particular that you'd like to
1: You to know, do? it's so interesting because there's so many different pieces of the pie when we move about, um, you know, the way our life shifts because of, um, you know, our professional goals and personal goals and the fact that our children are getting older, excuse me, my oldest is, um, he's 14. And, you know, by the time we leave here, he'll be entering his last two years of high school. Um, and so I find that my goals for here are, you know, I have my professional goals and then I'm also kind of like looking at how, um, how my goals have changed depending on what I thought, you know, compared to what I thought they would be. And then now that I'm here on the ground, so, you know, one of my, one of my big, um, you know, one of my big professional goals is just to continue to deepen my, um, capacity for the programs that I teach in mindfulness. I'm really super, super excited um, that this month I'm starting um, what will be a two year intensive um, mindfulness teacher training. So I'm a senior facilitator in the program that I teach personal leadership. Um, But I've always wanted to deepen my ability to teach mindfulness meditation. And so this program is modeled off of the mindfulness based stress reduction, the MBSR eight week program. Um, and when I'm done, I'll have you know, kind of an internationally recognized certification in um, in um, mindfulness studies in order to teach that. So I'm I'm really excited to be in a country where um, I can take that course in English. <laughs> and, Yay! I, for yeah, that in
0: English, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: just like super, super exciting. So that's one goal is to really use, take advantage of being here in a place where those sorts of programs exist and in a language that I understand. Um, and to really grow the work that World Tree is doing in the area of mindfulness, to me that's it's it's a calling. I feel it's such a merging of the you know I was a teacher and then I was a clinical social worker providing therapy to undocumented immigrants and then you know I moved into doing this coaching and mindfulness training and this is such and then of course in graduate school I studied conflict resolution so this is such a, a merging of all of my different focus areas and it feels this, I feel very much this sense of like, Oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, and sounds like great
0: timing as well. It
1: is, it is, it is really good. And, and, you know, and in my personal life, I'm really hoping to, um, you know, my kids are at this like really awesome place where they're getting more and more involved in activities in their school. My middle son is away at a four day theater festival, uh, this starting today for the next few days. And, Both of my boys are really, I'm like co-coaching my middle son's basketball team right now. My oldest son also plays basketball and I played for nine years. It's like a passion of mine. Um, And and then my daughter is really, you know, she's getting older and she's in grade two. And, you know, like really having the experience of not surviving surviving with them in a foreign country, but really thriving and living Mm. with them Mm. in a foreign country because sometimes when they're small and you're in a place that's unfamiliar, it's just like, oh, (laughs) keeping your head above water. And I feel like, oh, now they get it. And now they really identify themselves as third culture kids and they Mm -hmm. see themselves as third culture kids. Although my daughter is like, but I'm actually Japanese. I'm like, oh, you're not actually japanese <laughs> she's the she's the definitely the funniest one she doesn't remember living anywhere but tokyo is so for her um we're we're walking with her in the process of uh understanding um how to survive outside of her native culture
0: <laughs> mm, interesting that's so cute i'm, I'm japanese yeah <laughs> Yeah, I like that, Um, you know, thriving, not just surviving, in, you know, wherever you are um, in the world, yeah, mm-hmm. and that's something I've really sort of, um, because we are, you know, like you, only here for a certain amount of time before we'll be moving back to Japan as well, how can we make this an amazing chance for our family and do things that we couldn't do in Japan, and so I've got some very obvious things on our list, like learn to ice skate, learn to cross-country ski you know
1: Mm. oh (laughs) nice
0: yeah like try not to eat too many cinnamon rolls (laughs) (laughs) um that's like the national food of sweden is cinnamon rolls i kid you not yeah um they're amazing yeah and various variations of the cinnamon roll
1: (laughs) (laughs) sounds delicious yeah
0: so um yeah it's great to have those goals but yeah I, i love your goal for yourself well not your goal but that the course that you put yourself onto um, that you'll be doing a, is pretty much going to be while you're in Brussels, isn't it? This course. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, that's very, very exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming along today. So before you go, please uh, tell us how people can get in touch with you. If they'd like to take part in your group or if um, you have any uh, courses that are coming up that people can join.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'd love to. Um, so my company is called World Tree Coaching, and you can find um, all about me and my information at worldtreecoaching.com or on Facebook um, and Instagram, both at World Tree Coaching. And I have um, three programs right now that I'm really excited. And of course, also, if you go to the World Tree Coaching Facebook page, you can find that information about Globally Mindful as well. Um, and I have three programs right now that um, I'm um, really excited about. One is a program called Take Your Leap and I'm running that through the entire, entirety of 2020. Um, and it's a time-limited focused um, kind of coaching scholarship program for people who want to uh, try out coaching for the first time. And um, so you get a highly discounted rate for four quick sessions over the course of one month. So I have that. And then um, two programs in mindfulness. So the first one is a mindfulness four-part webinar series called um, Mindful Mindful Leadership for the Portable Office, and it's for globally mobile people who telework or work from home. Um, And that's a four-part webinar series that is happening in February. And I'm still um, registration is still open for that and there's still space. And then finally, I do a 12-week intensive mindfulness program that I have been doing individually for two years now with individual coaching clients who do the coursework and then have sessions with me, but start in from late March until early June, I'm putting together a group program for that. So I don't have all the information available, but if people are interested, they can always reach out and get more information.
0: Very good. So where's (laughs) the easiest place to get hold of you is that?
1: The really the easiest places to either on Facebook or to go to my website and on the contact um, mm-hmm. link, just send me an email that way.
0: All righty. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for coming along today and for your time today, Jody. It was so lovely to thank hear you. more and hear about Madagascar. I've so been wondering about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Jane. It was great to talk with you more and hear a little bit about your transition to Sweden um, as well.
0: Thank you. And yeah, keep in touch, yeah? And- yeah. Well, um, yeah, I hope some of the listeners take up the opportunity to learn some mindfulness skills um, as they go through their transitions, as we're, we're all going through transitions, aren't we? Anyway, yeah, <laughs> even if we're staying in our own country.
1: Yes. All right.
0: Sure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. So that was the interview with Jodi. I hope you enjoyed that. And if um, her group sounds like it's for you, then definitely pop over to Facebook and ask to join that group. Anybody can join. It's a free Facebook group. Um, And I'm also a member in there. (laughs) Um, So it's called Globally Mindful. So you can search for that on Facebook. And um, come in and say hi. And there's a lot of people who are in transition moving you know, from one place to another, and it's, yeah, it's just a really nice, calm, safe corner of the internet to hang out, and if you are, you know, looking, you're about to become an expat for the first time, or you're a serial expat, or whatever it is, or uh, maybe you're even just moving within your own country, like that, that's pretty stressful too, maybe you're moving down the street, <laughs> um, whatever, there, and, you know, um, she, you know, it's not only also, you know, for expats, you know, it's for I keep saying you know, sorry, <laughs> or people who are going through a transition and being able to th- to thrive in your new environment or your new situation, whatever that is. So uh, that's Jody. You can find all the links to her um, different web pages and how to contact her on the show notes as usual. So um, actually, as I mentioned during the episode, uh, Jody and her group sort of popped into my. Um, vision just as we were just getting sort of um, started with our move to Sweden and it was very timely in that respect because the group was just starting up and um, we just found out that and after I joined the group for a while I just found out that we had to move not in three months but in like six weeks or something ridiculous like that we had to move our, our moving date forward by a whole month and it was just, yeah, it was a really overwhelming time, but um, having that group there to not, and I didn't go in there and rant, it was to thoughtfully discuss what was going on, and how we could um, just notice, and deal with it as best we could, yeah, it's not a place to go in and rant, and and, you know, about this country, and that country, or whatever, you know, It's, um, it's a place to thoughtfully notice what's going on. So that's a great way to use the group. And um, I think everybody appreciates it if you do use it in that manner. So yes, it was a very timely um, thing that that group popped up just as I came along. So maybe you are looking for that kind of support perhaps you are looking for support with what you are working on yourself and you would like to join the women in japan and the world Mastermind. i really do need to find a good name for this so if you have one please tell me i think i always ask you guys this um yeah so that is coming up very soon at the end so we'll be opening the doors towards the end of february and we'll be starting on march 1st going through to Uh, I think it's the end of September, that's right, so just over six months with the summer holiday break, and it's going to be a great session again this time. I'm really looking forward to seeing who joins, and don't forget there is a live meetup in Kansai, Japan, so somewhere in the Kyoto, Osaka, Kobe area, not quite sure exactly yet, Um, I know it can be pretty hot at that time of the year, so I'm leaning towards Corby at the moment. I know some people will be happy about that. (laughs) Um, It's a lovely place to visit. So if that's you, definitely get in touch with me about that, and I'll have more information coming for you soon. So have a wonderful week, and look out for our episodes coming again next Monday. And in the near future, I have the very lovely Jackie Miyabayashi coming on to tell us all about what she's been up to. And we can learn a lot from her about pivoting and online stores and all sorts of things. So be prepared for two New Zealanders to get really New Zealandery on this podcast. (laughs) Okay, have a good week. See you. Bye. (laughs) Thank <laughs>